Start your business for the freedom of time. Now you're tired of the hustle and grind. There's gotta be a better way. It's time to listen to Chill and Prosper. Welcome to Chill and Prosper. You're ready to chill and prosper with Denise Duffield Thomas. Hey gorgeous, it's Denise here. Welcome to um, a pricing episode of Chill and Prosper. Pricing is one of those things that is such a pain point for people and that's why I talk about it again and again and again because it's not a one and done thing. Pricing is... uh, it's fluid. It changes over time. A price that feels scary and a big stretch for you to charge, sometimes then it feels normal and then sometimes it feels too tight or small. And so you always have to evaluate your prices and to make sure that you're still feeling like it's an energetic win-win. And this is the tricky thing because sometimes we don't want to look at our prices. We don't want to think about our prices and we don't even want to talk about it. Um, there's there's definitely a, a huge mindset component to this that I want to mention straight up before I go into some of these pricing strategies and their pros and cons. And a lot of the time it comes down to like, are you even allowed to talk about money? And that's a massive sticking point for people. If you were told your whole life that it's impolite to talk about money, it's super rude to talk about money, then of course you're going to find it challenging to even have the conversation, you know, to even state your prices on your website or like if someone asks you what your prices are, but let alone even then have conversations around, hey, can you please pay your invoice? Because every part of you is just like, oh my God, it is so rude to talk about money. Um, So that's definitely a place to start, that it's okay, I'm allowed to talk about money, it's safe for me to talk about money, it's not rude, it just, money just is. Money just is, and that's okay. The other side of it is um, to understand that being clear on your pricing, being clear on what you charge and what your boundaries are around that is actually a really kind thing to do. It's kind to be clear. It's kind to not make people guess. And I've been on the other side of it as a client where I know what's going on for them. I know that they have money blocks, but I don't want to be in my Denise DT position. I just want to be taken care of. I just want to buy my thing or I want somebody to hold space for me and for me not to have to think, oh God, their money blocks are coming in the way. Um, And that's got nothing to do with how much people charge usually. It's all the stuff around it people not being clear on their prices, um, not making it easy for me to pay them, not following up, and just being really wishy-washy can feel really uncomfortable for me. And so if you've been struggling a little bit with your pricing strategies, um, just know, one, it's never set in stone, so you can't get it wrong. If it feels energetically wrong, you can just change it again. But also, too, it's a really kind thing to do for your clients to be clear on your pricing, clear on what they can expect. Okay, so I want to talk about some um, some pricing strategies and what I think could be some of the pros and cons to this. Okay, so the first one I want to talk about is just the concept of discounts and sales in general. Now, if you've read my book, Chill and Prosper, um, you might have uh, heard me talk about how some businesses never have sales. It's just not a part of their brand to be on sale. 
And if they do go on sale, they try and find a a different way to do it. Um, So the example I use is Country Road, which is, you know, kind of mid to up, up, like, you know, decently priced kind of clothing company in Australia, not super high end and expensive and still high street, but, you know, it's not cheap. And it's not part of their brand to do these massive big sales with red stickers and things like that. And so I noticed when I went into their store, they had this rack and it said, the last of our best sellers. The last of our best sellers. Isn't that just such a different way to think about sales? Um, And Lululemon, which again, is not a cheap yoga brand, um, on their website, I don't know if they still do it, but they had a section that was, we made too many And so it was not like, oh, these are discount and they suck and everyone, you know, it's like the dregs of what we've got left. It's like, oh, we've made too many and now you can can have them. And both of those brands probably still do use the word sale, but they just don't do it in like a really aggressive way. Whereas you think of some businesses, you know, like um, TK Maxx, I think it's TJ Maxx in some countries, it's slightly different. They're always on sale. And that's their brand is you come in, it'll be a bargain, it'll be a messy experience because there's just piles of crap everywhere, everything's discounted. And so you kind of expect that, that it'll be a discount. So I want you to think about in your business, where do you fall on that spectrum of your brand around discounts and sales? And when I started my Money Bootcamp, I used to do an early bird price and it would be um, I can't exactly remember, but I think it was like 750 um, was the early bird or it would be $1,000. And so I would have a, a deadline during my launch period. And I remember thinking, yeah, it's not worth it at $1,000. You know, no one's going to buy it. Why would anyone buy it at full price? And so, of course, like 90% of people, 99% of people bought it the discount. And so I remember thinking, I'm going to shift my mindset around this. It's worth it at full price. And like now, boot camp's two and a half grand. But back then I was like, oh my God, would someone really pay me $1,000 for me to help them? Which is funny, right? Because it's about money mindset. But it was still just like, oh, am I allowed to charge for helping people? And I just thought I'll just shift my mindset around it. It's worth it at full price. And the next time I did it, it was like 50-50 people who bought it early bird versus full price. And what shifted? I think one, my attitude shifted around it enough that I sent those final emails to be like, hey, you know, like we're starting, come and join us. Whereas probably before I thought, oh, well, the early bird deadline's gone now. No one else is going to join. And I probably didn't send them. So that's when it's like mindset becomes self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So do you want a discount? Do you want to add sales? Do you want to ha- have times in your business where people can get things at a discount? So there are pros and cons to this, right? Um, obviously, an advantage of this is it gives people an opportunity to buy from you. You know, people who might not have been able to afford to buy from you, especially if you've got a product-based business and you want to, um, you know, let go of stock or you want to refresh things, then it is one of those things of like, hey, cool, the early adopters were happy to get it full price. And now it's, might be slightly out of season or um, I saw one business who make shoes they said we just did a whole batch and they had a slight defect no one would ever notice this defect but we have and we've got such high quality that for this whole batch we're going to sell it at a discount and so they kind of framed it as 
it's not perfect. It's not exactly, you know, our standard. It's still good. So then you can get it at a discount. And it was like, really felt like a finite thing. And I thought that was an interesting way to do it. Or once a year, you might go, you know, everything in my, on my online store is discounted. So you run the risk then of people um, waiting for that, which is fine. If you've built your margins in, whatever, you'll still get the people throughout the year who need and want what you have to offer. And maybe it's just an event where people like you give an excuse for people to buy. And that's totally fine. Um, Sometimes though, it does mean that people wait and they wait because they go, oh, they're discounted. And this has never been more apparent to me than I met someone at a conference and she said, oh, I finally joined your money boot camp. And um, she said, a friend of mine said to me, Denise never discounts, so don't wait. And because she was like, oh, I was waiting to see if you had like a, you know, a deal or something at the end of the year. And her friend said, nope, Denise never discounts. So just, you know, join. And I went, oh, I love that that that's part of my reputation in a way. It's like, oh, I never discount. So there's no right or wrong around it, but just discounting as a pricing strategy is just a deliberate thing, right? You want to just go into it with eyes wide open, make sure you're still making your margins, make sure it's not um, disparaging your brand in any way and that it's still, you know, it's appropriate and it feels good to you. Now, it's totally okay. As I said, the early bird thing, this can work really well with things like tickets if you're selling an event or a retreat. Um, We often do things like, um, you know, the first 50 people, it's like $100 off and you get to come to a VIP breakfast. It's something like that to reward people who are making that commitment. And sometimes that really helps too. So say, for example, you are running, you know, um, an event and you do want to incentivize just those early people to book. So then you can go, okay, great. I've covered my costs. And I know, I know what that is. Um, I think that can be fine if you want to do that, if you're very clear on your boundaries around it and you're like, nope, this is a one-time only thing and it's not just all the time. Okay. So that's, that's fine. Here's another um, pricing strategy though, that I think can work really well. And it's the VIP upgrade. It's the normal and the VIP. And so then people then feel like they have a choice. They can go the lower price or the higher price. So you're not discounting, but you're just saying to people, hey, look, there's two tiers here. Like you can just get a, you know, say a basic ticket or you can get a VIP ticket and it gets you um, early entry or a dedicated seat or whatever it is. And that can work really well too because then the people who like saving money feel like they're saving money. The people who always like to go VIP and get those extra things, they can be served as well. Now, I've seen this work terribly one time before. It was horrible. I went to see a kid's performance of like a, um, you know, just like a kid's dance group kind of thing. I won't name them. And it was at a venue that was not tiered seating, as in it was just a flat ballroom um, with seats. And they said, oh, we've got normal tickets or VIP tickets. VIP tickets, you get a guaranteed seat up the front and you get a photo with the group. I went, great, I'll go VIP. So we get there and the stage is only like one step up from the floor. It's not like a massive stage where you could see from every seat. It was literally just like one step up from the floor. And all these kids were just like, of course, sitting on the carpet and watching. But they only let the kids with the VIP tickets like go and stand up the front they had a velvet rope in the aisle stopping kids like with a 
with a, a security guard stopping kids and going, nope, you can't come down. And I thought, that's so dumb because as a grown-up, like I'm happy, I just wanted a seat, right? I didn't care. But like for, the, for a venue like that to not let kids go and sit down and watch it, it meant all the kids at the back in the normal seats couldn't really see the performance. And then the worst thing was they had this um, bubble machine that was like blowing, but it wasn't like making it back to the kids at the back. And so like I saw these parents like holding their kids up to try and pop this one little bubble that made its way up the back. And I just thought that felt inappropriate. It made everyone feel uncomfortable and cool. Dedicated seating, great. Um, Photo at the end, great. But don't do it to make people feel inferior and make people feel bad. Where it did work really well, I went to Broadway Con in um, July in New York and it was, um, you could get, it was just assigned seating at the front and you got an extra swag bag and things like that. But the stage was set up that anyone could see, you know, anyone, you know, could have an amazing experience there. It's just that the VIPs got this little extra cool thing. And one of the organizers was like, you know, thank you for buying a VIP ticket. It helps us to put on this this event and it, it felt like a really good thing of like oh I'm an extra supporter and I get these extra things but not at the detriment to anyone else I'm not making anyone else feel less than um, so see how you can add that as a pricing strategy in what how can you make it a VIP thing um, it could even be like a skip the queue you know like you get it faster you get it quicker or you go on my wait list and you, you know, you're still a valued customer, but you can you can skip the queue if you want to. That happens a lot in lots of different businesses, like shipping. You know, you pay extra. Photocopying, you pay extra. Manufacturing, you pay extra for a speed job, and that's okay if you add that into your pricing strategy too. So just see how where you could add a VIP thing. Um, there's a really cool experience, a cool way I've seen this done too. So it was a guy called Andre Chaperon. He used to have a course called Autoresponder Madness, and it was about how to write copy for an autoresponder sequence. A really cool little course. But I always remember on the sales page, there was three options, right? So it was like the DIY course, which let's call it 500 bucks, right? And then it was like, oh, my team will um, do it with you um, and do it for you. And it was like, I don't know, call it $5,000 or something. And then it was like, we will fly you to us for a weekend and we'll, you know, pick you up from the airport and we'll do all this cool stuff and we'll do it for you in a weekend. And it was like 25 grand. And it was so cool to see those different levels of, you know, like, cool. Is the result the same? Maybe. Some people like to do it themselves. Some people like the accountability of doing it with someone. But someone will be like, oh, my God, that would be worth it for me to fly out, get it all done in a weekend because I can see the return on investment for my business. And so you can add a VIP option into so many things that you do. You get it quicker, faster, better, sexier. You get more time. You get a cool experience. What is it that you could add in? I love this as a pricing strategy because I love buying it myself. But I can see how sometimes it makes people feel um, like they're excluding others or, um, I don't know, just like having two tiers of service. So it, I would say I caution to do it in a way that still makes people feel respected, but it can be an aspirational thing. 
that's really cool, exciting thing that you can add in. And honestly, the sky's the limit with that. You can just let your creativity fly and think, what could I offer? And even if no one buys it, even just the idea of coming up with it could be a really fun experience because who knows, someone might see that and go, wow, that's exactly what I want to do. But of course, the contrast of seeing that on the page, I was like, oh, 500 bucks, that's a bargain <laughs> compared to spending 25. Um, so I, I found that was a very, very interesting pricing strategy. All right, um, let's take a quick break. I want to talk about um, pay what you want as a pricing strategy. Mm, I've got very strong opinions on this one. All right, see you in a sec. I have been following Denise Duffield-Thomas for four years now, and I am so excited to say that I just got back from the Rose Farm Retreat, where I got to spend three days with Denise and a group of amazing women. Four years ago, I saw a friend go on this retreat, and I probably thought it wasn't for me, and it was out of reach. And now I've been, and I've been there, and I felt absolutely at home and as part of the group because of the work that I've been doing. I have read all of Denise's books. I listened to the podcast. I did Sacred Money Archetypes, joined Money Bootcamp, and the next step was, of course, to go and do some work in person. So I would just say it doesn't matter where you're starting. You never know where you're going to end up and just embrace all of the learnings and each level up, each upgrade, each each incremental upgrade uh, because it all counts and um yeah and the next thing you know you'll you'll be in a room surrounded by these amazing people and know that you're meant to be there so thank you denise um thank you for the space that you hold and i can't wait to continue leveling up and upgrading my life to my first class life um with all of this amazing community hey welcome back we are talking pricing strategies I like talking about this. I find it really fun. Uh, Not everyone does because pricing feels personal. Pricing feels like one of those things that we have to get other people's approval for. We also think that there must be some formula that everybody knows. And yes, say, for example, you are in a product-based business. There is a rule of thumb around that, you know, like in terms of what you get at wholesale versus retail. There is people have done those those sums. But if you have a service or an online type business, pricing can feel really personal. It can feel like we're putting a price on our own self-worth. And we're not. The price is just the price. Um, The value that people get, that doesn't even necessarily have a correlation because I've seen people who give enormous value and they totally over-deliver and they undercharge. So it's so personal. It has to feel good to you. So the next pricing strategy I want to talk about is the um, pay what you want, pay what you want kind of strategy. Now, if you haven't seen this before, it's when someone says, hey, you can buy my book or my course or my thing and you can literally pay whatever you want. Pay what what you think it's worth. Um, I find too, this can be really an interesting experiment for people. Um, It can also be a way to make what you do very accessible to anyone. So it can be something that's an event where you feel like, here's my chance to give back. Here's my chance to um, allow people, you know, a chance to buy from me who wouldn't necessarily buy from me. The reason why I don't love it as a consumer is that 
it makes me anxious. And I'll just be really honest about this. It And it has the opposite intended effect, right? People do this because they want it to be really generous. And so I'm not speaking for everyone here. I'm just speaking for myself. I very rarely buy anything on pay what you want unless there's a very particular guide, which you might think defeats the purpose, right? Because I overthink. I overthink it and I think, oh my God, are they going to think I'm really cheap? Are they going to think I'm taking advantage of them? Am I paying too much? Am I being, you know, and I just get, I get really hot and stressed about it. And I just think, just tell me the price and I'll pay it. Um, it, And sometimes it feels like an act of charity to do something that I don't want to do. And then I'm like, oh, I'll just overpay, whatever. Where I've seen it work really, really well is when someone says, hey, this is what it would normally cost. If, and like do it on a sliding scale and they go, if you're a student or if you're on a pension or if you are low income or if you, you know, are on a disability pension or if you're, you need hardship, here's what I recommend that you pay. If you're doing okay, here's what I recommend you pay. If you're doing really well and you want to give back and you want to subsidize someone else's purchase, here's what I recommend you pay. And for me, having those guides... Um, like it really helps me to not overthink and to not stress that I'm doing the wrong thing or getting into trouble or insulting somebody. Um, and so I love the sliding scale. I think that can be used in so many ways. I've seen it used really well for conferences and events. Um, and also to sort of, to be like, everyone here is going to be equal. Um, but if you can afford to pay more, this is where it's going to go. It's going to go to subsidize scholarship places or people who can't afford to, to be there. And But everyone's going to be treated the same once we're there. I think that's just such a fabulous, really empowering thing to do, especially if you do not delineate. Like it would be sucky then if you're like, all the scholarship people sit over here, all the, you know, people who paid extra sit over here. Like I think it's different if it's like, you know, a VIP, but if you're like, showcasing what people paid I think that could be really awkward but I love a sliding scale so if you're if you do want to do a um, a pay what you want thing there's a couple of uh, recommendations one I've seen people get super offended by it and the reason why they're doing pay what you want is because they have so many blocks about charging for what they do and they don't want to set a price and they don't want to put a a monetary value on their service and so they're crouching in like I just want to be generous and you know um, accessible for people but really they do not want to put a price on what they do so they want people to do it for them right which is fine nothing wrong with that but then they get really offended or embarrassed or angry about some of the the what people pay you know, and they start to, I've seen it where people go, you know, I can't believe someone paid a cent for this. That's so insulting. And so if you're going to take it personally, um, don't do it or don't look at the, over, like the individual figures, look at the overall amount. Don't look at individual figures at all because you might see, oh, that person, I can't believe they paid that. Oh, that person, I can't believe they paid that. The audacity. Um, no, you cannot do that. Also, if there is a minimum state a minimum 
say, pay what you want, minimum of you know $100 or $10 or whatever it is, because otherwise you will get people who will pay one cent and they will do it without any guilt or shame at all because you know they're not they're just doing the letter of the law like they're doing what they you told them that they could do um, and so if you're going to take it personally set set a figure or give people an indication of what it would be worth because we don't always know we don't always know um, and yeah I, I think just let people know um, what would what would feel good to you as well and then you have to be unattached to it but as I said, as a customer, I would prefer just to know, just tell me the price. Just tell me the price and I'll pay it. Don't make me guess. Don't make me second guess myself. Don't make me stress about this or anything like that. Okay, so what about um, things like packages and like, do you remember when like Groupon, is it Groupon even around anymore, where um, businesses would offer really, really cheap um, pricing for things? So it would be you could get you know, uh, $10 and you could go and get blow dryers from somewhere. And this is the thing where discounting again is if you're doing a massive big initial discount, the clients that you're attracting might not necessarily be ongoing clients. And I've heard this from a lot of service-based businesses who have done things like Groupons, um, like hairdressers, for example. They might do some ridiculous deal for blow dryers and or blowouts whatever you call them in your country but it's people who people who cannot afford to pay full price and so they will just move on to the next place that has a big discount and so it's not necessarily the best strategy for ongoing work similarly for things like um, beta testing really cheap introductory pricing it's the same thing if you're going into that thinking well this might be a good way to get ongoing clients not necessarily. It, it really depends. I think it depends on the energy that you put out for it. I think it depends on um, like how how cheap it really is to who you attract into that. I see a lot of people do um, like beta testing because they're like, oh, I've got a new course. Does anyone want to beta test this? And I do think the energy of that is all wrong because I think you attract people who are not only paying a cheap price, but they're in reviewer mode. They're not necessarily going into it as a student. They're kind of going into it critiquing in a way. So like do it or not do it. Don't do it half-assed. Like if you're going to be like, oh, I need some testers, have it as testers and be prepared for feedback around it. Um, if you're doing it beta pricing but you secretly want to charge full price but you're just chickening out of it, then you're not going to necessarily attract the people that you want to attract. So you just have to go into all of these pricing strategies with your eyes wide open, you know, and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. Um, say, for example, gift vouchers. If you're saying, you know, buy people a gift voucher, that can work in some industries and it can be disastrous in other industries. Um, I very, very briefly tried it when I was a life coach back in the day and people would be like, oh, I bought a gift voucher for my partner, husband, friend to have a life coaching session. And it just was like, you can't do that sometimes. Like, you know, especially for things like that, where it has to be someone's choice and desire to do it. It's very different if you're like, 
hey, for my birthday this year, I really want to work with this person. Can you buy me a, you know, a session with them? That's a very different energy to like unwrapping your present and someone goes, I think you should see a therapist. I bought you a gift card. <laughs> very different energy though to someone saying, I bought you a spa day. Oh, thank you. Or someone versus someone saying, you know, I bought you a, I don't know, <laughs> something to overcome your horrible personality. <laughs> it's just completely different, different energy. So things like gift cards, it might work, it might not. You might have a product or service that people have to buy for themselves. Um, and that is part of it, you know, and that and that's cool too. So I want to hear from you. What other pricing strategies are you interested in that you want to get my feedback on? Send me a note, um, either DM at DeniseDT or send me an email, Denise at DeniseDT.com. And I, yeah, I want to see what pricing strategies you've seen out and about, what things you think are good, what things turned you off, what you like to see around pricing strategy, like what always gets you excited um, to buy. Uh, for me, I really like when people are like, oh, when you buy this, we donate this. You know, that feels really good to me to go, oh, wow, I'm doing something good with my purchase. Um, you know, things like discounts, not really. If I don't want it, I don't want it. You know, I like super, being supersized. I like when someone's like, oh, if you buy this, this month we've got this extra thing. I love buying VIP things. You know, that, that always feels good for me. So, yeah, I want to hear what pricing strategies that you like and don't like. Super, super fascinating. Um, but don't go away. I have um, one final thought for you after this break. Bye. Hi, everyone. My name is Jay and I am an experienced school teacher and have recently begun an online business named Love Chalky. My business and passion is around giving parents the confidence to be the best parent they can to help them gain knowledge and clarity about what is important when parenting their child. My business journey in its first year has been amazing and I feel that a lot of this is thanks to Denise. I was given her book Chillpreneur by a biz bestie and instantly loved Denise's teachings. I now listen regularly to the podcast and try to live a chillpreneur life with my husband and two boys while juggling my teaching job and my growing business. Thanks, Denise. You have inspired me to realize that it's my time and I'm ready for the next step. Hey, so my final thought, and sorry, I just um, thought I'd have a quick snack in between that ad break, is um, pricing is just pricing, right? It's not a reflection of your self-worth as a human being, but also pricing is just a made-up thing. It really is. What differentiates, you know, a Picasso to the Mona Lisa to you know, a random painting that you'd find anywhere. And it's just the perception of value that we put on things. That's it. You know, if if priceless art, if you just put it down to what's the price of the canvas and the paint and the time and the frame, well, that's not how it works. And so you can really just make up your own prices. Everyone's making it up. I promise you everyone's making it up. It's down to you who you want to serve and what feels energetically win-win to you. And if you need help on this, I have so many resources. Um, if you go to denisedt.com slash pricing, I've got a whole guide for you, but also things on how to set the, your prices in the first place. You know, it's totally up to you. Feel good about it. And um, 
yeah, that's it. Everyone's making it up. So why not you two? All right, my lovely. I will see you next week on another episode of Chill and Prosper. Hope you chill and I hope you prosper. Bye. Thanks for listening to Chill and Prosper. Tell your friends to chill and prosper. Review and subscribe. We hope you had a very good time.